in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Top 10. I am John Roca. And I am Matt Nose. This is the show that we do each and every week discussing our favorite movies based upon a topic, usually yeah. in regards to whatever movie is opening that weekend. But this one is a Boss Hog topic yeah. uh, sent to us by Charles Clark, which is movies set in a hotel. And we are excited about that. But how are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm here at uh, Star Wars Celebration as we're recording this. This is day one. I'm already fully fucking exhausted. Um, dude, I don't have the stamina anymore for these kinds of things. I don't. When I was younger, certainly. And CinemaCon was great. But uh, I find that these days exhaust me after only three or four hours in ways that I used to be able to go like eight to ten hours in a convention, sitting in a room with thousands of people and what have you. So I am happily in my hotel room recording this, mm -hmm. uh, relaxing and getting away from you know, just the feeling of everyone around you. And I think it's because, like, dude, I work from home. So, like, I rarely am in a room with a lot of people. And so when I am, it, I think all my sensory, senses just get completely overwhelmed and overloaded. And I just want to run screaming out of the, dude, I almost left halfway through the panel. No bullshit. I almost left halfway through the panel for them. Like, I fucking can't stand it in here. I had, but I had to, like, you know, this is for the channel. I got to watch this stuff. So, um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the life. Um, yeah, basically it's the equivalent of when you would go to amusement parks as a kid and you didn't understand why your parents or grandparents wanted to sit so much. Yeah, that's true. But now when I go, I'm there's nothing quite like you've been standing around all day and you get to sit down on a ride and you're like, oh, this feels oh. so good. <laughs> so good. Oh, so nice. So nice. Yeah. <laughs> now i got to walk to somewhere else and go stand around for, uh, yeah, yeah but, half an hour, an hour. Yeah. So we're not, uh, you know, as, People know we emailed out, so we're not uh, we're not doing our normally regularly scheduled live yes, show today, just yes. because uh, uh, scheduling and time constraints. And it's my fault. It's my fault. No, I'll take the hit over. I, I I did not think ahead to let Matt know. Well, we, we knew about Star Wars Celebration, but I didn't understand the schedule, and I got asked uh, to come to see a couple of the panel I'm just talking about. I got into, which was the big one of the weekend. So at last minute, so that affected the schedules and all of that. So. You guys can blame me, so I apologize. Well, it's also we, we could have had him here for the live, but then yeah, we want to finish in a certain time because you have other other obligations I do, to get tonight, to. Yes, yeah. So we wouldn't be able to interact with them if they had great comments and stuff. And sure, true. Uh, you know, we we're working on a little bit of a time constraint on this. Yeah. And basically, we don't want to give them a short trip on that. So that live show is just going to be on next week's. But we, you have all have already gotten the email about it. Yeah. But we'll do shout outs then and all that stuff. So it's just one week delayed. Uh, yeah. Calm down for God's sake. But just... we'll return to our regularly scheduled programming soon enough. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to get comfortable on the floor here. How are you? How are things? Uh, how, how's your life? What's going on? Uh, good. Yeah. Okay. No complaints. Good. Uh, right. nothing really staggeringly new okay. to, uh, discuss, you know, basically. Okay. Are you enjoying the NBA, uh, uh, conference finals? It's it's just one blowout after another, so it's, it's not really all that engaging. 
it's kind of been a letdown, Matt. It's a bit of a letdown these two these two series. I'm really surprised by this. I think it's the every other day. Oh. Just look at the Miami Boston. It was a rock fight for three quarters until Miami or pardon me, Boston started making shots. But before yeah. that it was everybody looked tired. All the shots yeah. were falling short or way off and nobody had legs. I think it's the other which benefits a younger team. Yeah. So like perhaps that's part of the yeah, the NBA saying we'd like to get some of these new bloods to showcase them on a national stage. Could be that, but at the same time, the Warriors are the older team in the West and they're going to win out more than likely. Well, they've got a nice mix of younger guys. True. Um, with their older guys and they're more talented than the Mavericks at this point. They, yeah. They just have more depth and they've yeah. got more <clears throat> shooting prowess and they can still play defense at a fairly high level. And then, uh, but yeah, it's just been okay. They're going to win by 12 and this one's going to be win by 20 and yeah. this one's going to be 18. And just, it's not as, we haven't had a, yeah, I'm lamenting Memphis not Dude, being at it. The Memphis uh, Golden State would have been a damn, um, King Kong versus Godzilla, man. That would have been a battle all the way to the last game in the last series, maybe in game seven. Like that, you know, they were going to throw all kinds of defenses at, um, at Golden State and try to, Mess up their defense big time. You know, Jean Morant said it himself. He's like, this, we would have taken, we would have took it, took care of this team and been in the finals. So. Yep. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe you never know. Yeah. True. true. Um, but yeah, hopefully it's just all leading up to a, an excellent finals, you know, the calm before yeah. the actual storm. Yeah. I think Celtics Warriors is going to be fun. I, Cause I imagine that's what it's going to be. I, I think that's going to be a lot of fun to see those two teams. I just don't see how the, it. yeah, the heat climb back into this and the no. Mavericks. Down 3-1 right now, but there was 3-0 previously, and no one's ever come back from that deficit. To win four straight on the Warriors, that'd be pretty difficult. Yeah, no, there's no way it's going to happen. So uh, I don't uh, I don't uh, anticipate that's going to happen. Um, overall, no. So there you go. Yeah. But uh, so what is Obi-Wan like, and does he smell like cinnamon? <laughs> <laughs> Who have you met? Uh, C3PO is shiny in person. <laughs> no, I mean, look, the panel was great for what it was, for sure. I mean, you had Hayden Christensen coming back, you know, getting to see that live. The pop he got was like something out of the out of the rock or Stone Cold in wrestling. It was insane, dude. He walked out and the place erupted. I mean, you would have walked out first, and it was a big applause for sure, big surprise, oh, a big. Yeah. Uh, Reaction, but then Hayden walks out, and the place was going insane. It's almost like someone broke the glass, uh, like Steve Austin, and he came. Give him the out. the Empire's eyebrow. Just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know something? No, he just. Uh, no, I mean, uh, Ewan just walked out, and first thing he said is "Hello there," so which is of course the Obi Wan yeah. line. But uh, um, Hayden goes, "We're back," so that was really funny um, in a reaction. So it was cool. It was great. Got, got to see more of the Andor. Got to see uh, a sneak peek of Mandalorian season three, which they're not putting out um, onto the internet. But the really the high the capper was um, John Williams came out, and it was his 90th birthday, I guess, a few weeks ago. And he came out and and uh, conducted an orchestra to play the Obi Wan Kenobi theme for the mm. first time ever anywhere. So that was an awesome highlight to be in the room for that. And then he played the Indiana Jones theme song. And out came Harrison Ford to wish him a happy birthday and to kind of get all emotional talking about him and then announce Is him. that a Disney joint? It's the a Lucasfilm. Yeah, it's all connected. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, okay. under the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, the Sam Mendez picture is floating around the interwebs today. Oh, yeah. Right, right, right. The silhouetted 
indie. Like, I, I hope it's great. I'm gonna see it regardless of if it's people yeah. like it beforehand or not. So yeah, yeah, we're gonna see. They had no footage. It was just him walking out, you know, and talking about it. And that's fine. It's, it's kind of crazy though. Don't I mean, Matt? It was kind of crazy. Just sitting there watching, it was like. Harrison Ford, John Williams, Kathleen Kennedy. I mean, they, they were all together back in the 1980s, kind of, you know, yeah. establishing themselves in these franchises like Star Wars and Indiana Jones. And so it's just very fascinating to see them all kind of coming back together now, still doing it in 2022. But, you know, we're near the end there for John and probably Harrison at some point here, you know, and we're recording I mean, this as Ray Liotta passed away at 67 years old, man. So I assume Liotta's partied a little bit harder that's just a guess i don't know the man and i have thoroughly enjoyed his work and i hope ditto yeah i hope it was an easy passing me too but, well, it was overnight apparently it was in his sleep yeah, that's the way you want to go yeah. yeah uh but i'm just assuming leota liked yeah. to party <laughs> so 67 it's like that's not a bad run all things considered oh yeah i'm good that's, at 67 oh yeah, yeah that's speculative i don't know anything Sure, sure. Uh, but yeah, I, I can't imagine how many more indies we're going to get. I mean, for Christ's sakes, Harrison's in his 70s. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you know, Mission Impossibles are finally coming to an end because Tom is AARP <sighs> level. Tom is in his 60s. That's coming. Yeah. Well, they, they, well, they've released that trailer for a movie that comes out a year from now, and it's part one. <laughs> okay. Okay. Why did you put this out? It's so weird. I don't understand. Like, I realize you shot this during the pandemic and then the release schedules yeah. got all screwed up. So everything got delayed. I get it. But do we, is no. anybody like now on pins and needles for a year, actually yeah. a little over because it comes out in the summer. Yeah. It just, it's too long. Who gives a shit at this point? It's just, I, I feel like they were incorrectly trying to take advantage of the Top Gun Maverick thing, which is going to be massive this weekend. Yeah, possibly. And I don't understand why you would split the stream, so to speak, by, by going, Oh yeah, by the way, Tom's also coming out in this. Uh, and so I don't, I don't understand that. Let him have his flowers. Let him take a victory lap on Top Gun Maverick without another franchise coming in and trying that, that he's in and trying to kind of maybe take a little bit of that thunder and put it towards this as well. Cause like you said, Matt, it's a year away, you know, as excited as I was to see the trailer. That excitement dissipated almost quickly when you're thinking about the fact that it's a year away, so you're not going to get to see this for a while. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it looked cool. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, I, I don't – so what? Am I going to be reliving this trailer for the next six months and then going to put out <laughs> another trailer at that point? Yeah. And yeah. it's not until, what, June or July of next year, so. Yeah. Yeah. It's a um, shame. Yeah. I, you know, but whatever. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you something, man. We got some weird shit going on at the house. You're you're a, you're a homeowner. You, you've sure. done this kind of stuff before. Sure. We Lindley Lindley takes care. Listen, this is no surprise to anybody. Okay, I'm not I'm not gonna take care of the outside of the house. That's my my girlfriend loves to do that, or my partner is she loves me to call her. She weeds. She takes care of the garden. She likes finding out who is in the garden, who isn't. Like she's very cool with the lizards being there. She's she loves the lizards being there. It's cool. It's fine. But she was cleaning up the other day, and apparently she is a connoisseur of animal poop. Like, she knows what kind of animal by the poop it leaves, which is weird to me. I didn't – never even remotely want to be knowledgeable about that shit. But she thinks that we have raccoons sure. and possibly rats 
um, because our next door neighbor has a, um, a fruit tree. And so she's come out in the mornings now recently and seeing like half eaten bitten pieces of fruit on our side of the fence. Cause sure. the, the branches hang over. So she put up some, some like bricks and stuff to kind of try to stop them, but it, maybe they're crawling across the fence or they're yeah. going on his side eating, coming and then pooping. Yep. On our side of things. Entirely so, possible. Yeah. Does that happen? Is that a thing? Yeah. So do, do we have to catch, like set up traps or does the city do that? What's the, oh, what's no, the, the city can give two fucks about what's happening out in your backyard. Really? Okay. Yeah. So good luck with that. Son of a bitch. You can ask them, but they're not going to do shit. <laughs> um, hey, Tom, Tom, come over here. This guy wants us to catch his raccoon. Yeah. No, it's going <laughs> to fucking happen. Unless it's causing some sort of massive disturbance. I mean, it could be, it right. could be possums. Uh, it could be skunks. Yeah. 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 Uh, shit. It could be coyotes. Jesus. Uh, I hope not. Well, yeah. given the area you live in, you know. Yeah. 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 True. Entirely possible. Uh, honestly, your, uh, the easiest deterrent is human pee. Really? Yeah. So if you, like fill what? a spray bottle with piss and just spray it around the backyard. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, okay. they'll smell it and they'll be like, ooh, I don't know about this and <laughs> should ward them off for at least a time. I'll but learn. you're not, uh, you're not going to have much success. If they've, if they've got a honey pot like that, um, yeah. you could trim back the tree and try and keep the fruit off your side, but I'm guessing that's not going to do diddly. Yeah, I don't know what I, yeah, cause I don't want to go and tell him, Hey man, you need to cut. Yeah. I, you know what? I've seen and heard of too many arguments between people who are live next to each other over shit like that. So but you, you might be able to find synthetic or if it's not like a coyote or something, you can buy yeah. coyote pee and then put that down if you would rather. Really? Okay. Yeah. They'll smell it and be like, mom, I'm not fucking with this anymore. And they'll go away. Okay. All right. Yeah. We'll it's on various, various urine okay. is going to work on, on some level. Uh, otherwise, you could put out traps, but you'll kill this generation. You're not going to stop future. Yeah. Good so point. even with the P thing, you're going to need to do this. Uh, I think you're just going to have to live with it, to be honest. The rats yeah. would be the only thing I'm concerned with because the yeah. raccoons, as so long as your trash cans are like stored somewhere. They are, yeah, they're, they're, they're in the backyard. Um, and I think the other night she, we heard a loud noise. Now me, I don't get out of bed. I don't. I, unless it's in the house, I don't give a fuck about it. Let it do whatever it wants to do. I don't give yeah, a shit. I'm a, yeah, same way. Right? So, as long as I'm tearing up shit, I'm cool. But she freaked out, got me out of bed. She jumped out of bed. And then she opened the um, shade. And the raccoon looked right at her, like dead right Yep. <laughs> looked right at her. And she screamed like crazy. And that thing took off. And we heard it like just smash into the trash cans as it was taken off. So, um, I, I, yeah, I'm just kind of in the place of like, okay, how do we get rid of this situation? And I hope it's not rats because, you know, and I, she was doing all kinds of study on the kind of poop and stuff, which I've, I've never even Rat thought. poop is easy to distinguish from oh, rat poop. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, she was looking up on the internet, like pictures of all this kind of stuff. But we've had houses in like three or four houses in the overall complex that we've sometimes driven around or walked past that have the fumigation, like completely covered the whole house. So I'm worried that we're on deck for that because I don't I don't want to deal with that because I think that's in our lease that we would have to deal with that shit. Not you would our... have to fumigate. Yeah, or we have to deal with the vermin or, or yeah, vermin yeah. I can understand, but if you okay. have 
termites or something. There's no oh, way that it's on right. you. That's a whole other thing. Then. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, so you only that, fumigate for termites, not rats. For bug infestation, yeah. Okay. Non, I, I've never heard of fumigation for rats. Could I mean, yeah. I just you cut off know. their air, you know, uh, lock them into a chamber filled with poisonous gas is what basically what you're doing with fumigation. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's what it is. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, there is that uh, orange oil injection stuff. I don't know how effective it is yeah, for yeah, if you yeah. want a more natural approach. Uh, <laughs> for but, a more natural approach. Oh well, yeah, I, I I think it. They mostly hate the scent and it drives them away. Okay. Okay. I believe, but I, I literally haven't had to deal with termites. Thankfully. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my house is entirely made out of wood, so inevitably that shit is coming. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Fuck. Uh, yeah. yeah, there's uh, I've, we've already talked to a pest guy, and because of the way the house is situated, we can never have fumigated. So orange oil or something like that is going to be our only option. Really? Okay. Just the neighbors, the it's property is too close, so we can't yeah. get a full tent in and whatever. I don't know. The guy's basically was just like, we're not going to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't imagine you're going to find a reputable company that will. It's like, okay. Fair point. Fair yeah, point. I don't need it now, but good to know. Something to think about for the future, <laughs> unfortunately. All right. All right. Well, I just wanted to run it by you because I know you know about this kind of stuff. So, yeah. uh, rat know, poop is E. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be like the size of a tic tac or a little bit bigger, but the same shape mm-hmm, mm-hmm. roughly, but it's, they, they look like, you know, brown, black tic tacs. Okay. You'll, you'll unmistakably see them <laughs> and you'll see also where they like to congregate. You can put traps down in those areas if you wanted to. Yeah. 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 But then you're also going to have to deal with dead rat carcasses. So <sighs> no, thanks, man. No yeah. Fucking thanks. All right. Well, I just wanted to clarify it. Um, I don't want to belabor the points. Um, I know we got to get to our list. Anything else you want to talk about or get into or shall we? No, I don't think so. Raccoon, uh, I think you're just going to have to deal with on, on that one just so, okay. as a heads up. Uh, <sighs> I'll have to catch him. All right. Yeah, but then you got to release him somewhere. I don't think. Oh, you can't just kill him. I don't know if they make raccoon killing traps. Maybe okay. they do. Okay. But I think it's a catch and release situation, but raccoons are pretty fucking smart. So. Okay. They'll probably make it just back to their neighborhood anyway, so. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. As long as they're not in the trash, I think I'd be all right with it personally. That's, I, yeah. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't hear them like rummaging through the trash. Yeah. Uh, you would see it. There'd be, occasionally they'd be kicking out refuse. Oh, yeah. You'd see it around the thing. Yeah. You'd yeah. see it around. They'd see the fact that they've gotten into it. Not every time, but every once again, you're going to see trash out and be like, okay, raccoons got into the trash. Well, then I got to say. Or they I can temp over the entire trash can. But oh, yeah. yeah. Good point. Yeah. Oh, well, anyway, uh, people who don't have to deal with that are people who live in hotels. And that's our top ten list. As Matt said earlier, the top ten films set in a hotel. Thanks to Charles Clark, Go Mountaineers, for recommending this list. So um, the way the show works is Matt and I go on our separate ways. This time, because of a topic from one of our patrons, we come up with our own top ten list, come back get together here. We don't tell each other what our lists are. Uh, Matt starts off, counts down uh, his first three. I count down my first three. Then he counts down his next two. I count down my next two. We take a quick break, and then we get into our top fives, and we go f- uh, uh, one apiece. Five, four, three, two, one. Then we put it together at the end. That's our list. So, Matt Nost, take it away. Um, all right. So I tried to find things that were – they used the hotel quite a bit. Of course. Course. That was like there are other ones where like oh yeah the maybe part of the first act is in the the hotel but then they move on right right like eh, I'm not gonna count that one but that was basically my only rule for this so uh, for ten I've got identity oh yeah um, the John Cusack yeah 
serial killer-ish movie. How much can film. we say without not spoiling? I mean, you know who's I mean? going to see Identity, man? I mean, this isn't one of those big films, so I feel like you can spoil it if you want. You think so? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's Identity, man. No one's going to see that film. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> People don't even remember that fucking movie, man. It's a bit, it's a guy with multiple personalities. So the movie is technically taking place in his mind as he's yeah. killing off the various personalities, but you don't get that reveal until the very end. Yeah. There's your big, uh, spoiler. That uh, ruined the movie for you entirely. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. For the five of you that were going to watch it. Yeah. From a movie from, uh, what, 20 something years ago? Yeah. I think Beckinsale's in that, isn't she? I think she's one of the other people in there with him. Is she? I, I mean, was. it's got a wide cast because there's what seven to nine different identities right. that he's going through, and it's a a motel, and it's raining, and all this jazz and whatnot. But slowly but surely, one by one, get picked off. Oh, my fault! It's Amanda Pete that's in this. Amanda Pete, that makes more yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ray Liotta, the great, the late great Ray Liotta is in this. John Hawks, Alfred Molina, hell of a cast. John C. McGinley, Rebecca De Mornay. It's an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a unique one at that. And it's a nice little who done it until the final reveal of who's actually in charge of all this. Right. Uh, but it's a solid movie. I was yeah, surprised they did get more love. Directed by James Mangold, who did Logan and, you know, so, uh, and he's doing the new, um, one of the new Star Wars stuff that's coming out as well. The, uh, the, oh, sorry, not Star Wars, the Indiana Jones film, as we were just talking about it. He's the one directing it. So early in his career as a director, this film. What's, what's weird, yeah, and you look at his filmography thereafter, and it kind of sticks out. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the the deafness of touch is there, but the cinematography, what you come to expect from him in other movies, yeah, isn't as there much. But at the same time, the setting and with the constant rain and everything else kind of gives you some limitations as to what type of atmosphere you can really create. Yeah, I don't disagree with you because, I mean, Heavy was a good independent film, his first film, and then Copland was, I think, is fucking great. Girl Interrupted, uh, what's mm-hmm. her face, won the best actress Oscar, Angelina Jolie. Then those two, back to back, Kate and Leopold and Identity, those two kind of stick out as kind of these yeah. weird forays into something that doesn't. Yeah, but he's, yeah, he's branching out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then walk the line right after Identity. That's like two years later and starts moving into where he's going with 310 to Yuma. And yeah, it gets into the like mangled what you anticipate coming from, from him. Yeah. You could argue he's a pretty consistent filmmaker because, I mean, Identity is not a bad film, as you said. It's actually an interesting film. Just not a lot of people saw it, you know, so. I think it's definitely worthy of a watch. And if you're a Cusack fan at all, yeah, uh, you know, it's one on his list that you may not, you know, it's just like the same time, roughly, it's probably, what, a couple years later after a runaway jury yeah. and a few other Cusacks that didn't get as, weren't as high profile as some of the stuff that came right after Identity yeah, or right before. And by the way, Runaway Jury, quietly a damn good film. Well, it's yeah, pretty good. Damn good films. Pretty yeah. good. Um, okay, what do you got at number nine, man? Uh, nine, I've got Hotel Rwanda. Ooh, nice choice. That's my number 10, buddy boy. Um, I was solid on the fence, movie. Cause it's not American, but I was like, I don't know. No, it counts. We said hotel. We didn't say, you know, yeah. only American hotels. So yeah. Yeah. Go we didn't, uh, uh, stipulate about that. Uh, Cheadle in the lead and it's about the, Hutus and Tutsi conflict, the civil war that erupts. Yeah. And he's the manager of a hotel in the middle of this and tries to save the, I think it's the Tutsis mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. the, the ruling faction of Hutus. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even him and his wife 
one is Hutu and one is Tutsi. So there's yeah. the turmoil there between them, but it's basically it's, it's to see the humanity in the midst of chaos and the worst of us. Yeah. And someone yeah. striving to do what is right, regardless of what is, uh, you know, politically expedient or the heat of the moment type of thing. It's like, this doesn't make sense. We need to save as many people as we possibly can. And then like the weird hamstringing of certain delegations can't come in because it's kind of like a Black Hawk Down. We can't fire on them until they fire on us. We right. are right. passive observers of this situation, even though you know there's a genocide happening. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Go ahead. And, and, and Sophie Okanedo as his wife is fantastic in the film. This was kind of people getting to know who she is. You know, she's a British actress. It was great to see her in the film. And Cheadle, Cheadle's such an interesting cat, man, because it's like he is, by all accounts, if he had a different personality, I think he might be seen in a different light. But he's he's the guy who wants to just get along with people, you know? And so, like, he doesn't have that kind of hardcore personality necessarily. I mean, certainly in a couple of films, like Devil in a Blue Dress, you can see that he's got that gear. Mm-hmm. But naturally, he doesn't select films that are, you know, um, lead their way to Don Cheeto's a badass. You know, he's just so talented that he – and he seems naturally empathetic. So he connects to these roles that have a little more depth and complexity and um, humanity to them. And certainly here in this film, he is so good um, as uh, as Paul and what he goes through. And then the interactions with Joaquin Phoenix, which I think are really underappreciated in the film uh, when he's dealing with him. Uh, and then Nick Nolte getting a few a few barbs in throughout the movie as well. It's a pretty powerful film, man. It's one of those films you see once, maybe twice, uh, because it's pretty brutal and unsettling. And to think this is just one small story. Yeah. Within the litany of stories that have happened in Africa when it comes to genocide and, and the way they can kill or mutilate so many thousands of people. Um, it's unsettling, really. Yeah. To what we're all capable of. And it's unfortunate when you see that. Mm-hmm. And unfortunate is much too paltry and shallow a word. Yeah. yeah. To, to really encapsulate the depth of which, you know, the disgust of humanity at times. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, it's, I saw it once and I was moved by it. I don't know that I'll see it again. Yeah. And it's nothing enough. against the film itself. It's just like, it's a lot. No, it is a lot. Um, okay. What's your number eight? Uh, my number eight is The Lobster. Oh, that is my number eight. Yes. Perfect timing. Yeah. Love this film. Wow. I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Great mm-hmm. chemistry with uh, Farrell and Rachel Weiss. Yes. Um, yes. And a solid cast to boot. You got uh, John C. Riley is in this. Uh, Olivia Coleman. Olivia Coleman is in this. Yeah, yeah. It's a weird little movie, too. It is. That guy is a weird little director, you know, because he did The Killing of a Sacred Deer, which I thought was way the fuck on out there. It wasn't for me. Hmm. But this one really worked. I mean, this idea of... You know, you can't look at each other or, you know, or you have to kind of keep the distance because love, it's kind of be arranged in a certain way. And some of the um, commentary they're making about relationships and connections and the propagating of the species and this idea yeah. that you become whatever your favorite animal is, is if, if you authentically don't find someone to be with. 
is such an interesting approach, you know, but once you get past the fantastical and it's so grounded that you kind of feel that it earns the fantastical side of it because it is so, it feels so realistic. Then you go on this journey with, uh, with, uh, Vice and, 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 uh, Colin Farrell. Who's the other woman that's with them when they go on that journey that she ends up finding out that they're the one that they do have like this connection with each other? Yeah, I know who you're talking about. I'd have to look I it up. Forget, on. I forget who it is, but yeah, this film can really put the zap in you. Um, it's surprisingly good. And it's like a, a discussion about what, what could be happiness? Does it have to be you need to find your soulmate type of thing or right. is being a single individual okay? Yeah. And in this society, it most definitely is not. Right. I think it's Jessica Barden. Okay. Oh, that's, that's nosebleed woman. Never mind. Uh, and, and is lying to yourself a crime? Worthy of, you know, death or being sent back to be a, uh, uh, to be an animal, you know? Let's see. There's the yeah. evil one. You're talking about the, the leader of the resistance woman. Yeah. She kind of goes with them, right? I forget who it is. Um, cause I don't think it's, I don't think it's, um, Olivia Coleman. Oh, Leah Sadu. Right. Oh no, she's the rebel leader, right? Leah Sadu. The... Yeah, she's the the rebel leader. That's who yeah, I thought you were yeah. talking about. I just saw yeah. her on the. Um. Oh, I forgot Ben Wishaw's in this. Let's see, he's in this as well. Yeah, he's one of the the lonely individuals in the hotel. Him, John C. Uh, Riley. Oh, it's her, Angelique Angeliki Papuli, heartless woman. I think that's her. Or is that the one that John C. Riley is going after the whole time? Who kind of is so rude? Heartless woman is the one. Yeah, the the one that's like cold and different that kills. Is it Colin Farrell's brother, the yes. dog? Right, right. Yeah, that's right. – and then sees that, that he starts to break down over that, so she realizes he's not as heartless as he's faking. <laughs> it's like it's brutal, man. It is brutal. They keep – you know, because they, they, their matchmaking system is you try and find some sort of commonality. Yeah. And a lot of it is through physical traits. So there's like the nosebleed woman and then uh, – Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Keeps punching himself in the nose to give himself nosebleeds. So it's like, <laughs> huh? 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 And then Rachel Weiss gets blinded. Yeah. So the movie closes on whether or not Colin Farrell is going to elect to do that. Yeah. Yeah. As if that is somehow the ultimate path to come, uh, you know, people being compatible with one another. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's, it's not post apocalyptic, but it's like one of those feels near, like it. near future movies. It's like one of yeah. those near future movies that, but the chemistry between Weiss oh. and Farrell is really good. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. And this is part of a string of movies for him where it's like, man, this dude is so good. Mm -hmm. So good. He's much more than just a handsome face. Like he brings depth and emotion to these characters. Yeah. And you know, you, he's one of those actors that you kind of had to go through all the stuff with so that you can really appreciate the reappreciation of him now. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I was watching a little bit of the Batman cause it's on HBO max the other day was on, uh, and I was just like enjoying him as the penguin again. I mean, he's just so yeah incredible in how he's embraced this like latter half of his career. And even the gentleman, which I was on last week, I was watching that scene with him in the, was it the fish pie place or the, wherever there, the, wherever he's at the getting the way. And he's like going, going at it with the four little kids there who are trying to come out for teenagers who are trying to come after another HBO max, uh, oh. movie just on HBO yes. max. A lot yeah, of I guess, sounds like, yeah. listen, that's, that's kind of becoming my new 
favorite streaming service over yeah. um over Netflix and over Disney Plus. I, I, I can't deny watch. I've I've fallen asleep to the Mummy and the Mummy Returns over the past like five nights. <laughs> have, you watched, have you watched the George Carlin documentary? No, I, I have not watched that yet. Okay. I, okay. I fall asleep to things I've seen before. So if I make oh, it ten minutes, it doesn't matter. Or if I make it thirty minutes, whatever. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, totally whereas makes if sense. I've never seen it, I stay awake. Yeah, yeah, which is not what you want to do. No, I exactly. want to fall asleep. Uh, <laughs> so in due time, in due time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've watched an hour and a half of the first part. It's really good. Um, but yeah, maybe it's Ashley Jensen, the, the, the British woman that's in all of Ricky Gervais's movies or shows rather. Maybe she's the one that goes with them because she's a bit more hardcore. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember who it was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's in, uh, Afterlife and. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Which is very good. Yeah, um, that, that show is actually really good. Yeah. 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 The last I understand season. people's qualms with this last season, but it's like, I, I don't know how else you want this thing to end. Yeah. Fairy tale ending doesn't make sense to me. I'm glad they made the, the choice they did. Mm-hmm. It does I wrap agree. up for quite a few people, but at the same time, it's like, how, how are you supposed to land this bird? Yeah. And, and the thing was, the thing about Gervais is for all his cynicism and sarcasm and questioning of humanity, he more often than not ends his films or TV shows in a more positive, uplifting way. And it's kind of surprising. And I think people get mad about it, but that's how he's built. He's built a question, but ultimately he also wants to believe that, you know, a better world is possible. And like the end of Ghost Town is all about that as well, which I think is, I love that movie. Um, okay. So that was your eight, our eights. Uh, my 10 then is, um, what, what you said, right? What we had 10 hotel Rwanda. So then my number nine is pretty woman. Uh, okay. Go for it. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't deny this is, this is still a good movie. It still holds up for what it is and of its time frame. Uh, gear and, uh, Roberts have great chemistry. Elizondo is fantastic. And it is one of Robert's best films. Top five, I would still argue in terms of performances. There's a genuine sweet authenticity to her. And, you know, of course she's got those, she's got those scenes where, you know, he slams the thing on her hand and she laughs and also big mistake, big, huge, you know, that yeah. kind of, um, and then the, con- the conversations with her and Laura San Giacomo, all of that. And then as she develops this relationship with gear and really challenges him. And then that, you know, kind of brutal scene, not brutal, but, Certainly unsettling scene with her and Jason Alexander where Alexander essentially is trying to almost rape her to make yeah. prove a point or whatever because she's a, a, a prostitute who just got into being a prostitute. So, um, but there's a lot here to, to still enjoy and the Gary Marshall doing a great job directing the movie. So out of respect for that, I put it in my, uh, in my top 10, but lower on the list because it's not one I go back and watch a lot. I'm not a big Julie Roberts person. But like uh, it. yeah, it's on my side list and I yeah. thought about putting it on, but, uh, you know, nine sounds about right. <laughs> if we were doing, if we were doing a different type of list. I would have, I like this movie. I think it's really good. I think it yeah. still holds up. And honestly, this could be gears most charming. And that's a charming a man. Thousand percent. A thousand percent. You saw this and you're like, Oh, that's a leading man. He's got, he's just looks mm-hmm. handsome and whatever else staggering in. And then she jumps from. Mystic Pizza and she's been in some other things to yeah. becomes the biggest movie star in the world for, eh, what, like four years? Yeah. Five years? Like where she is apex, apex predator. Her name still carries weight, man. I mean, they yeah. just did an interview with her at Con. Uh, uh, yeah, Gaslit is good. If you haven't watched that. I'm no, I haven't. Watched. She's good in that? Okay. She's good. Dude, okay. Sean Penn is unrecognizable. What? 
it took me like five minutes of watching it, and then eventually I was uh, said to Catherine, I was like, "Is that fucking Sean Penn?" And she's like, "Yep." Wow. Like, Holy shit. shit! I had no idea. Okay, I guess I'll have to watch that. Son of a bitch. All right. All right. You know, like I said, I'm not the big Julia Roberts person, but I will watch it. That's interesting. See Watergate from a different perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, what was that? Charlie Wilson's War. She was good in that. So a different perspective. Yeah, that movie's <laughs> me. I was expecting, I don't know, something, something better. Yeah. It was fine. Fair enough. It's got a great, I mean, her, Tom Hanks, Phil Seymour Hoffman, you're like, holy shit, that's three for three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the final product is like, meh, whatever. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Um, all right, what's your seven, man? Uh, my seven is not on your list. Okay. Which is Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. It is not. It is not on your list. Good call. Go ahead. You're not a fan of it, and that's fine. That's, yeah. I'm not a fan of it. It's, uh, it is a Terry Gilliam that, uh, I think succeeds really well because his mania just perfectly fits. Yeah. A movie of this nature. How, how in the world do you bring Hunter S. Thompson's lucid life, lucid drug fueled life to the silver screen? Well, we get Terry Gilliam. It's, it's a good call. It's yeah. a good call. You know, That's he almost true. directed, uh, Sorcerer's Stone. I did not know that. Holy that was, shit. That was J.K. Rowling's first choice. What? Terry yeah. Gilliam? And then they took Chris Columbus and he was like, are you kidding me? Chris Columbus is, you mean cookie cutter, cookie cutter director? Have you seen that movie? It sucks. And you're like, I know what you're saying, Chris. Or, pardon me, Terry, but you're making this for kids. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't trust you to make a film for kids. Like, no. Yeah. yeah. Now the slides. Do I think he would make an interesting wizarding world movie? Yes. A thousand percent. What, the very first one? No. Yeah. No. He now that we're used the to, they brought him in for like a, a, a they're, they're, they're sending the, the franchise or whatever in a new direction type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Or it turns into a Star Wars and now we just have like one-off stories for sure. To hang your hat on that series? Nah. Pro- yeah. Probably not. But Fear and Loathing is, you know, Thompson in essence. And then, uh, it's, it's Johnny Depp and Benicio del Toro are going to Vegas. To cover a motorcycle race that's in Vegas, but it literally has nothing to do with that. It's just about being in the throes of massive psychedelic drug use and other drugs on top of that, just psychoactive drugs because they're taking peyote and acid and uh, cocaine and a million other things. I can't even imagine. I don't understand how your heart can take that. It's crazy. Let alone your mind. Yeah. Uh, but to see this drug fueled mania. And, you know, he recorded himself. So then, like, at the end of it, he's, like, listening to the tape to figure out what the fuck happened over the past 48 <laughs> hours or whatever the case is. But how many times do you think Hunter S. Thompson did that in his life? Oh, yeah. Right? We had to go back and check the tape and be like, I don't remember this. Oh, yeah, I kind of remember that. And, nope, this is all a blur to me. Because uh, you ever yeah. seen, like, a breakdown of how he regulated his day towards the end? He kept a diary of, I wake up. And I have this here and I do this oh. here and I do this. So it was all, it's kind of like the, uh, wow. Wolf of Wall Street. Because he was so far gone. No, just like that's, I like to drink, but then to pep myself up, I do a little cocaine here, but oh. then to bring myself down, I smoke a little pot, but yeah. then to bring myself back up, I do this. Right. And it's just like this ebb and flow all day long. And it's like DiCaprio at the beginning of Wolf of Wall Street talking about his drug use. I do this and then do this and then this to take the edge off and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, that makes sense then at that point. 
I, yeah, sure. If you're abusing drugs that heavily that you've created a system for yourself, sure, I guess. <laughs> but I mean, the, the, put it together. Yeah. yeah. The plot is inconsequential to just the mania of what's going on screen. Yeah. It's, it's one of those way out there films. It's not certainly, it's not a film I, I wouldn't necessarily see. Do you know, again, do you know what I'm saying? Because I, it's been, I only ever saw it once. Once was enough for me at the time. Um, but, I remember the stuff in the car, the weird shit in the car. I remember the hotel room is just absolutely mm-hmm. trashed and the weird shit that goes on there. And the, I think they think they hit somebody or something. And so it's got a little, yeah, they're like that. fleeing, but at the same time, and each, you know, they're on peyote. So yeah, yeah. So they're Death sure thinks that they're getting attacked it. by bats and Del Toro's off in his own little wonderland. And then they pick up Toby Maguire, the hitchhiker. Oh, that's right. Toby. I yeah, forgot about like Toby. Like blonde hair, and just. <laughs> Skittish as fuck, and then he runs off because they scare the ever living shit out of him. Right, Toby. Shit. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Um. All right. So all that right, was my Richard. seven. All right. What's your six? My six is probably going to be a punt, which is Grand Budapest. Uh yes, it is a punt. It absolutely is a okay. punt. Um. So my seven is um, which I was really surprised by, but I got to be honest with you, is Psycho. That's a punt. Okay, fair enough. And then my number six is Lost in Translation. Uh, go for it. Okay. Yeah, I like this film. It still holds up. I, I watched it, um, maybe three or four months ago, just randomly, cause I was, it was on and I was like, I haven't seen this in a while. I remember liking Scarlett in this movie. She's still kind of semi young in the movie and Bill Murray, of course, uh, such an interesting part of the film. Mm-hmm. And it actually worked for me. It still worked for me. Uh, the, the, the stuff with Rabisi and Anna Ferris is even more biting, actually, when you kind of go back and watch it now, because we're all in the whole, let's love everybody again. Let's not make fun of anybody anymore. You know, let's realize that it was a patriarchal society, which is why we're making fun of these people. Apparently you're not allowed to hate anybody anymore. You're not allowed to criticize anybody's performances, anybody's acting, anybody's uh, whatever. I mean, JLo's doing a documentary where she's essentially going to revamp her image as a diva that somehow she wasn't a diva. It was a male dominated media that turned her into that, which is horseshit. Uh, you know, because I have a number of female friends who worked on sets with her and can t- have told me horrible stories about her. Um, so it's just this whole thing. So when you go back and watch it now, because we're in this place now, overall as a pop culture, uh, that, uh, or as a society rather, that it's even more biting to see how far they went in her making fun of Cameron Diaz and her making fun of Spike Jones, uh, in those portrayals. And then you add the whole very interesting, um, relationship between, uh, Bill Murray and, and uh, Scarlett. Um, which I don't know how the public would take it nowadays, a film like this, because, you know, everyone's so hyper aware of age differences in well, casting. See nowadays. if Bill makes it onto that set. <laughs> yeah, well, that's fair too. That's another part of this too that's can be said. But yeah, so it, it still holds up. And I think Coppola does a fantastic job directing this film, you know, and I'm, I'm always surprised that she doesn't come up in people's choices for any of the superhero films. I mean, I think that would be the most incredible thing to have the daughter of the man who's complained about these films direct a superhero film that could be, you know, very feminist, very pro woman and and pick a character out of the either one, either side, DC or, or Marvel or independent comics and kind of do something interesting with it. I, I think it would be fascinating to see her take on something like that, but 
maybe she feels the same way her father does. I, I like assume so. Stuff. She makes smaller movies. Mm-hmm. Like more quiet movies. I'm not saying the movies aren't, you know, important or anything like that. No, no, you're right. Uh, cause one of the films that almost made it on my list, bro, was somewhere. The, I like that Stephen Dorff film, um, that she directed. Yeah. It's Chateau Marmont. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, which I've never been to. Have you? Uh, once working as a, working, I was hired to play a 1940s Hollywood director with Shannon, one of the nerd pals. Sure. Uh, and Kalinowski. Dork dudes. The dork dudes. Yeah. One of the dork dudes. Yep. And, and Kalinowski. And, uh, um, Kalinowski was a photographer. So he wore like the hat with the press pass inside of the hat brim and shit. And, uh, Shannon was, um, I think he was, um, a barker of some kind. So the three of us would work this old 1940s Hollywood thing. It was for the last tycoon mini uh, series on Amazon Prime. That yeah. was the only time I've ever been there. I never have stayed there or gotten dinner there in the 20 years I lived in, in LA. I never once went and did anything there. Um, except that. So yeah, never. But, Never once. I know people that, that used to go there. Yeah. A decent amount, like go the, the, to the bar or whatever. I don't even know what the mm. fuck's there. Like I've never been. Yeah. I've yeah. walked past it about seven billion times. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. yeah. Driven past. I don't know how many times, but, uh, never been in. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, lost in translation. Yeah. It's a good one. If you guys haven't seen it in a bit, give it a shot again and we appreciate, uh, Sophia Coppola. All right. Let's take a break, Matt. Yeah. Yep, let's take a quick break, hear this word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back, right after that, with our top fives. All right, there we are. Back into this. We'll get into our top five. Uh My number five is Ocean's Eleven. Ah, uh, great choice, but a slight punt. A slight punt, I would say. Okay, fair enough. Um My number five is One Night Miami. Oh, okay. Yeah, the Regina King film. That all sure. takes place. In a hotel slash motel. Um, and you know, this film was, I think was nominated for best picture, I think, and fantastic performances all around, you know, Aldous Hodge and what have you, huh? Was, was it, it not, was it not know. nominated for best picture? Cause I, I know that, so. I don't think she was nominated for best director, but I I'll thought the up. film was nominated. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's, it's Sam Cook, Muhammad Ali, Jim Brown, and who's the fourth per, oh, uh, no, who's the fourth person in that, uh, Quadruple. Sam Cook, Muhammad Ali, Jim Brown, Malcolm X is, oh, uh, Jackie Wilson. That's right. So all, all four of them are in there. Um, and just having a conversation about, yeah, no, it is Malcolm. Sorry. Malcolm's in there. So Malcolm, Sam Cook, Muhammad Ali, or Cassius Clay and Jim Brown all in the hotel room talking about, you know, from uh, what's going on in the civil rights movement, what's going on in the lives of black men in America in the 1960s and, uh, what is, it's, it's this, this fight here that, uh, Cassius Clay, I think just had, af, uh, defeating, uh, Sonny Liston, it changes everything. And cause this is also where Malcolm and Muhammad Ali start to separate from each other because of, um, Muhammad Ali going with the Elijah Muhammad, with Elijah Muhammad over Malcolm. And so it's just, it's kind of the snapshot in time. And of course, Malcolm dies a year later, um, mm-hmm. almost to the day of this, setting of the film because he died in the Audubon ballroom. I think it's February, February 28th as opposed to February 25th. So um it's an interesting time. And then Sam Cooke, of course, being seen as kind of a sellout because he's making white people music. 
Um, even though, you know, he's steeped in gospel and religion and the exploration of that, like what is a good black guy? What is not a good black guy? What is seen as a sellout? What is seen, you know, it's, it's such an exploration of the complexity of black manhood in America. And it's fascinating. It's a great script. And, um, uh, Regina does a phenomenal job directing this thing. And I think there's so much to take out of this film, uh, on multiple rewatches. Um, and I was just left really impressed by the film. Overall, I didn't think it was the best picture of that year, but I thought it certainly deserved a nomination. So am I off? Am I wrong? Was it not nominated? It was not nominated. Oh, damn. Was Regina uh, nominated? No. Best supporting screenplay, <sighs> best supporting actor, screenplay, and uh, original song. Wow. <laughs> what the fuck? Well, screenplay at least by Camp Powers. That's not – or Camp Powers. That's not bad. But that's a surprise that nothing else got – damn, that's a surprise, dude. I thought for sure – it got nominated for one of those things. Cause I mean, it's, it's 98% on Rotten Tomatoes out of, uh, of 333 reviews. 98%. That is tough. Yeah. So it's just surprising that it didn't get a best picture nomination or best director nomination for Regina. But all right. That's my number five. Uh, what's your four? My four is the punt from you, Psycho. Oh yeah. All right. Go ahead, man. Uh, a Hitchcock, a Hitchcock classic. <laughs> I like the Hitchcock. I like the, yeah. Well. It's about time we talked about it. Um, I'm not exactly sure what you say about Psycho that people that like movies don't already know about Psycho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, shit, if you've never even seen it, you probably know the ending. Oh, yeah, of course. I, I, that's it's parodied how, so much. Yeah, that's how ubiquitous it is. Although it doesn't get parodied as much anymore, obviously. Yeah, fair. We've gotten Because uh, it just doesn't live in the 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 echelon of the zeitgeist as it once did. Yeah. True. Um, Very true. But yeah, just it's set in a motel and mm-hmm. uh, weary travelers come in and they deal with this young guy and this young guy's got some secrets, baby. Yeah. He's yeah, got yeah. some secrets. <laughs> Spooky to say the least. Maybe you need to get out of the house more. John, this could happen to you. You need to go to more cons. It sounds like. <laughs> no. You show up and you're just dressed like Lindley one day. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's you and all the raccoons and they've moved in. And you guys just have built, out. <laughs> built a life together. I'm just uh, a taxidermist on the side. <laughs> Ta-da. That's Ta-da. what you tell people. That's why you have all the animals, but it's That's really right. just who you can, who you want to deal with at this point. Uh. <laughs> I think it's like, it, you know, uh, it's got like weird first. I think this is the first movie with the toilet flushing. Oh, really? I didn't Something know that. stupid like that? <laughs> That's funny, dude. I didn't know that. Well, they just, they, you hear it and you're like, why, why wouldn't they just show that? But I guess that makes sense on some level considering yeah. Yeah. how prudish and how new it was. Oh, yeah. well, you can't show that. I mean, people slept in separate beds on television for how long? Yeah, true. Which I can't even imagine that as a thing in real life. Like, I love Lucy. Yeah, and a number of films. Yeah, it's true. I can't remember. Was it the Brady Punch where they finally slept in the same bed? I can't remember what yep. show it was that kind of broke that thing. So, yeah. And ironically, you know, the leads in that wouldn't have been compatible. as a <laughs> That's true. But, Brady in real life was actually gay. That's yeah. a great point. <laughs> um, but just really, like I, when you see old television and whatnot, you're like, that, is this a thing that people did? It doesn't seem like it. Yeah. Seems odd. Yeah. 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 Considering like a, you know, every story you hear from 
the parents of those individuals or whatever are coming up, like you lived through the Great Depression and World War II, you're telling me that you have enough money to buy two beds? Two beds. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. Um, but anyway, uh, I mean, Psycho's a classic. Yeah. And I think it, by and large, holds up. It's not my favorite Hitchcock, Hitchcock but it's one of the top tier for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Perkins does a great job. And it, you know, we were, uh, some people may look back on old films and was like, oh, dated or Perkins is still quite chilling in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very authentic. Um, and believable in the certain, when the twists start to happen and the turns and Hitchcock's direction. I mean, that I always think of Martin Balsam's death in that movie when he's like slammed in the head from the, um, staircase. It's such a surprise. The speed with which Perkins comes out dressed as his mom to kind of hit him and shock him. And I'm like, it's such a, it's a more brutal death in my opinion than the death of Janet Lee in the movie because we get to witness the dude's shock that it's him. Whereas Janet Lee doesn't know what's happening. She's being stabbed sure. by someone she can't quite see, but with Martin Balsam, He's just so calmly looking around. It's not a big deal. You know what? He hasn't seen anything. It's fine. He could, you know, um, what's his face could have left him, let him, Norman could have let him leave the house. No problem. Oh shit. And they wouldn't have, wouldn't have been any. Ooh, headphones oh. down. But sorry about that. Um, is my phone, is my good now or no? Yeah. Get your phone. Okay. Okay. But like, um, yeah, it wouldn't have been a big deal, but then, uh, he comes right out and just, Hits him and we see the look of shock and horror because he sees that everybody was, that the, that it was right and that it is him dressed as a woman and he's not going to be able to tell anybody about it because he's just been killed. And so it's just like, it's so great to see that. Um, so there are some moments that still hold up in that film due to the performances and the direction of, of Hitchcock for sure. Yeah, go see the uh, the shot for shot remake with Vince Vaughn because it's totally <laughs> worth it. Yeah, with N-H. why you would ever do that in a million years? Let's do a shot for shot, even yeah. though it's not technically. I think you know they change a few things here and there. Yeah, it's not exactly a shot for shot, but still, there's a weird choice. I did I watch it? Yes. Yeah. And I thought Vaughn was why. fine. I thought Vaughn was fine, but the film itself. Yeah, it was, I didn't it mind that neat. casting. And yeah. it showed range from him, and he was he was throwing out like a few different projects like that. There was yeah. that that one movie with uh, Janine Garoppolo. Uh, what was that? Clay Pigeons. What yeah, Clay Pigeons. One? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah a few in there it was like, all right, this is interesting. You see different things from him. Yeah, I don't disagree with you, man. The man, he could have range if he wanted to have range. It's just not his. It's not his desire. He's. It's not his impetus to do I, it. Yeah, I think right? the paychecks came from another direction. <laughs> well, that too. That too. Yeah. I think the lifestyle he wanted to have. Coincided yeah. with the paychecks that were Yeah, yeah. You want to be a movie star? Huh? Yeah. You're gonna to have to make these types of movies. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, all right, so then my number four is the the comedy classic, Some Like It Hot. Um yeah. How much is in the hotel? I was racking my brain. I remember more on the yacht than I Oh, the, the yacht's hotel. only the yacht's only at the end. The last okay, 15 maybe that's minutes why. of the film. Yeah, a lot of it is because, I mean, obviously they get on the train, they have to get to the hotel. But once they yeah. get to the hotel, there's a lot that happens in the hotel. Yeah, there's the mobster stuff with the hotel. Yes, yes. And also the stuff out on – even the stuff out on the beach, they're essentially right outside the hotel. Yeah, you're so probably still right. kind of all works. So – um but, you know, it, it, for me, it, it, that's what I think of when I think of the movie. 
And, uh, I, I like, it's such a great film with, uh, Jack Lemon and, uh, Tony Curtis. And yeah, that's one of those ones that still holds up in terms of old comedies, it, right? It definitely yeah. does. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and Marilyn Monroe, who's fantastic in the film and all of it. Listen, listen, you can try to play Marilyn Monroe. No one is ever going to match Marilyn Monroe. I don't care what you fucking do. That woman is just next level impossible to touch sexuality in one body. And all these actresses have tried to play her, play her. No one has ever come close. And when you watch a movie like this, you understand why no one can come close. She's just a unique energy that no one will ever be able to replicate fully. No one. Well, especially nowadays, at the days of wayfish actresses. Sorry, go ahead. Well, it's also too, like, no one at that time knew anything about her backstory. Yeah, true, very true. So she was just this. So when we see it, we get this fully formed Marilyn, and we have no point of reference for that. Yeah. Unlike the Elvis thing that's coming uh, you know, out, mm. he existed in, in pop culture for so long that you knew about the fr- the fried banana sandwiches and all that stuff like you yeah. knew about some of his true background whereas Marilyn was just this kind of enigma she was a sex symbol and uh she slept with the president but but I don't know what she was like I've I've yeah. seen the movies done about her there was the HBO one yeah right with Ashley Judd Ashley yeah. Judd uh was that Norma Jean introducing yeah, Norma, Norma Jean, Jean and Marilyn Norma Jean yeah. and Marilyn yeah Marilyn. which is all right it's not, yeah, bad. It's not bad for a TV movie it wasn't bad absolutely yeah. uh and then there was the Michelle Williams one. Yeah, my week with Marilyn. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I I think because she's such a mystery, it's really hard to pull that character off. Well, also I think physically, bro. Like Christina Hendricks was the closest thing we've ever had physically mm, to true. Marilyn Monroe. She doesn't have she doesn't have that same energy as Marilyn, but certainly there were times in Mad Men where she kind of came close because she's a mm-hmm. gorgeous, gorgeous woman and voluptuous. Um, but she's the closest thing we've ever had. And even she's not a, a pale comparison to Marilyn, even though she's an outstanding actress in her own right. It's just not quite you know, the same kind of thing. So, um, but also, also Jack Lemon is an anomaly and Tony Curtis is an anomaly. Those, it, it, the, the film is full of incredible actors that are just kind of at the top of their game and Billy Wilder at the top of his game as a director as well. Yeah. Bringing them all together, um, to have some very funny scenes. And a, a cross-dressing movie in 1950-whatever. Yeah, yeah right. Like, doesn't make a lot of sense, the fact that this was A, greenlit, B, they got the cast they did yeah. with the director attached and then got it made in the public. was like, fuck yeah. Yeah. But it's yeah. good. It's definitely a movie from that era that I think more than holds up. Yeah, yeah. All right, what's your three? Uh, my three is another one you probably don't have, okay. which is uh, 1408. Oh, wow, really? The, the Sam Cusack, Jackson? Sam Jackson? Wow, Cusack's making your list twice. Interesting. Well, yeah. Tan is a still like, now that you bring up something like it hot, maybe something like it hot should make it onto my list. But in my head, I think of the yacht first and foremost. Yeah, I can understand that. Uh, so I was like, oh, they're on the yacht like a ton in that, aren't they? Hmm. Um, But 1408, like it, it's a Stephen King short story. Let's just make Stephen yeah. King short stories as opposed to actual novels. Right. Um, outside of it, I can't, you know, it's, it's been difficult to pull these 2000 page books and get a two hour movie out of it. Right. Whereas the short story. So Cusack plays an investigator of paranormal activity. And he's not really that. He's a journalist who's a skeptic and goes to like various hotels and locations that, Oh, we've got a, a haunted this or we have a spirit that lives and he's just there to yeah. document it. But 
to be a skeptic. And he goes to, to whatever hotel it is. I don't remember. And Sam Jackson is the hotel manager. And he tries to, to stop him from going into it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but ultimately Cusack, being the stubborn skeptic that he is, chooses to do it. But really the movie is about confronting your past and trying to move forward from previous trauma, mm-hmm. dealing with those issues and either you're going to grow and come out of it or you're going to die. Wow. And that's what that, the, the room comes to symbolize. Huh. Okay. You can either live and die in the trauma or you can escape, right. but you have to face it and recognize what is causing this pain. And it's also wrapped up in like, there's horror elements in it, but there's not like horror characters. It's not like a, but like a painting comes to life and it's of the sea swells. And then all of a sudden there's all this wind and water rushing in and the mm-hmm. room turns to like this freezing temperature. And there's a person across the way that he thinks might be able to save them, but that's a ruse. Cause the, and there's also this great little device of they've had, I can't remember how many people die within the first hour. Yeah. And after being in there for a couple minutes, this digital clock switches to a 60 minute and then it starts counting down. Oh, so wow. the mania increases as the countdown, you know, <laughs> moves on. Interesting. Yeah. It's, it's a really good movie. Okay. Uh, but if you look at it like that, just having to deal with everything that we have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's got a nice ending. I think an honest ending to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with a nice king little supernatural ish feel to it, but it's another short story of his that works really well. I've always resisted the movie. Uh, it, you know, the trailers were so kind of out there that I was like, ah, do I really want to, I guess writer, writer films don't really appeal to me. I'll be honest with you. Like, and I'm discovering that as I was doing this list. Cause Barton Fink didn't make my list. Spoiler alert. Um, uh, yeah, anything with writers, I don't find myself necessarily compelled. I mean, misery is a whole other animal because that's more about fandom. Sure. Um, but what was the other secret window? Like I didn't, I didn't you know, oh, the Johnny Depp. Yeah. The one with Torturo and him. Yeah, I was like, that ah. was not good. Yeah. Or the dark half, which I think was, is also Stephen King one, the Timothy Hutton, I think where he's playing like a version of Stephen. I don't even know that one. The oh yeah. Half. Oh yeah. Yeah. He, he wrote this book about like horror about like, um, this other part of him. And it was kind of to get through writer's block, I think. And so, and mm-hmm. Hutton plays the guy and they made a movie out of it. It just wasn't that good. Um, but yeah, I'm not really, I don't have a proclivity for writer films. So maybe that's why 1408 hasn't stood out to you, but you've talked about it. You've talked about it a lot, but you have mentioned it every once in a while. Like yeah, it's I, come up on a few lists. Yeah. And I've and always been like, I should watch this thing. So it's maybe a good I'll movie. finally do it. Maybe I'll finally do it. Maybe what was your five? HBO Max? <laughs> it might be. You know might what? Be. Don't joke. It might be on HBO Max. Look, I'll look it up I'll right now. It. Go ahead. What's your, what's your three? What was your five again? What was, I thought we uh, skipped the what? Oh, yeah, right. No, I'm sorry. That's the punt. Yes. Ocean's 11. That's my number three. Sorry. Sorry. I was, I forgot. I thought we'd skipped over it on accident. Uh, yes. Ocean's 11. Uh, we just, as we're recording this, both parts will have come out on the cinephiles. Um, we kind of did it as a kind of, um, brainwashing after we had been intensely doing Spike Lee movies for two and a half months. So we wanted to do something a little more lighthearted we could have fun with and Ocean's 11 popped up and we were like, yeah, let's do it. That is such a fun film, man. And really, you could have gone Ocean's 11 and Ocean's 13. They're both in essence in a hotel. Um, but 11 is the choice because that is the original in terms of that series. 
And it's great. And Clooney's great. Brad Pitt is great. Um, Bernie Mac is just coming into his own. You still have a young Casey Affleck, a young Matt Damon, who's just about to turn that corner into movie stardom. Um, you know, Scott Conn, Scott Conn, he certainly became uh, good doing stuff on Hawaii Five and whatever, but, um, and then you've got the great Carl Reiner, the great Elliot Gould, Andy Garcia, one of the last gasps where he's actually kind of chilling as a villain. Um, and even Julie Roberts has some nice moments in the film. Uh, and it's kind of a brilliant con and it's a cool movie. It's just a cool movie. And when oh, you yeah. watch it, you can't help but feel cool if you have any, uh, ability to feel that way when you watch that movie. Um, yeah, to see this magnitude of various stars mm-hmm. kind of come together and suppress their overall ego yeah, yeah. Is really, it's, it's unlike anything else you're going to see within movies because you don't get this magnitude of star power all yeah. in, agree to be on. And otherwise you assume, boy, the budget on this must be massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and yet they all, I assume they had to take a pay cut. Maybe they got, got back end points. Oh yeah, maybe. Um, just to make it all worthwhile and feasible to actually pull this thing off. Sure. But the camaraderie, Really comes across the screen. You yeah. feel like all these, all these individuals get along and are friendly with one another. So it makes you enjoy it all that much more. Yeah. Like yeah. you're like, ah, oh, that seems, you know, seems like they were having fun on set. That's one that I'd like to be on. Shit, this one or the original Ocean's Eleven. I'd like to be on set for either. Oh yeah. I mean, the Ocean's, the original is a terrible film, but the, the stories, one, the story's cool. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, the story's about, but yeah, actually about, yeah. Because well, yeah, they would uh, go and perform in Vegas. Yeah, and then as soon as they got done performing, then they go shoot the movie at like two in the morning. <laughs> and this is also where I think this is the the genesis of of uh, uh, Sinatra. Yeah, not willing to take two takes because you're only paying me for one movie. One take Sinatra, absolutely. Yeah. That's all you get, as evidenced by this film. He definitely yeah. pulled that off. Yeah. And you don't get a direct, and you get a director who's not going to question that because, you know, he's just happy to yeah. have the job. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was just, I just saw a documentary on uh, Dean Martin, which is on TCM. It's called The King of Cool. It's pretty fucking good. And there's uh, sections where they talk about the uh, Ocean's Eleven times. And it's just fascinating to think about like any bunch of guys getting away that are that level of known. Getting away with the stuff they got away with back then. Oh, yeah. You know, cause you could never do that now. People Fuck no. Would, people would videotape you or, you know, record you. Oh my God. You could never get away with that now. But yeah. It's crazy. It's like, um, in the crown when she finds out that her father has passed away in season one mm-hmm. and they tell the reporters basically, Hey guys, not now. You're not putting this in their paper. Right. And all the reporters went, yep, you're right. This is not something we should document and give to the people. This is a private moment for you. Can you imagine that now? To be like, get the fuck out of here. This is going to sell more papers or get more clicks than yeah. anything. Yeah. Then your yeah. official announcement is to your feelings of the passing of your father. If we can catch you in the moment, that's worth, you know, a hundredfold. Oh, yeah. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. Uh, yeah, it was a different time. <laughs> it's a different time. Plus, Sinatra being mob connected, and that's a mob town at that time. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm sure they were allowed to do whatever in the world they wanted to do at any given time by and yeah. large. That's a good point. That's a good point. 
Um, yeah, and, and, and this is Soderbergh, at, at, you know, at the top of his game as well as a director, you know, because everything is so smooth. Um, and Terry Griffin, I think, is the writer of this one, and he's great. His script is fantastic. Or is it Ted Griffin? But his script is fantastic in this film. You know, as we were analyzing it for the Cinephiles, like breaking it down scene by scene, just incredible to see um, what he was able to do um, with these cool people and have them have like legitimate interactions and also find new ways to kind of showcase other layers or other um, shades of who they are as actors in this movie as it goes along. Um, but the number one thing, as you mentioned, Matt, is the chemistry all these guys have. There's no yeah. ego here. And you sense that right off the bat that everyone understands who uh, the pecking order and they accept the pecking order and they're happy with it. It works so well. Um, all right. What's your number two, man? Um, my two is the, the movie you just shit all over. <laughs> the original Ocean's Eleven. No, uh, Barton Fink. Oh yeah. Knock yourself out. I, uh, knock yourself out. It's not my movie. Look, it's an early Cohen's. So this is yeah. right before Miller's Crossing. And they they actually did this because they had hit a writer's block in Miller's Crossing. Okay. So they took time away from that and banged this out in like a couple weeks. The script for it. Shows. It shows. Went off and, ah, oh, this is, well, the thing is, if, if you're trying to find some sort of meeting in this, you're not yeah. going to find it. But Barton Fink came out after Miller's so, so Barton they Fink have, was, yeah. I think they so, may have finished the script before. Oh, gotcha, 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 then, gotcha. Yeah, but I believe you're right. Until after Miller's. Okay. Barton Fink's like 91 or 92? 91. Yeah, and, and Miller's is 90. So yeah. Um, okay. But, uh, you know, it's Totoro. So Totoro's a, a, a playwright that gets hired by a studio and they're paying him an ungodly sum of money to come out here and work on pictures. Yeah. And they thrust him into writing a movie that he knows nothing of, so he has writer's block. Uh, it's pro wrestling, isn't it? A pro wrestling movie. It's, yeah, it's a wrestling picture or something like that. And so he's struggling to come up with this. And then he ends up befriending a woman uh, who is the assistant of mm. John Mulaney. Not John Mulaney. Uh, Mahoney. John, yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, who he's a writer – um, who's a drunk right. and does some screenwriting on his own, but like a writer in this world of some renowned who got into writing for pictures. Mm -hmm. And uh so she ends up dead and then he needs to deal with this. And then Goodman, who is his neighbor in this hotel, comes over and helps him deal with it. And then there's the flip on who Goodman's character is. Yeah. Uh but ultimately, like, honestly, I've, I've watched this numerous times and I couldn't tell you what the, like, 1408, I get it by the end. Be like, okay, yeah. dealing with the trauma and all that. Barton sure. Fink, it still makes me question as to what the hell I'm watching. And yet, <laughs> I still watch it. And it's a strange ability the Coens have, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's rare for me when they have a miss. Yeah, I agree. I Some agree. Hail Caesar, I've seen now uh, a second time and I still don't get it. Yeah, and, I don't but like it doesn't, that. it doesn't enthrall me and suck me back in like Barton Fink does. Fair enough. Whereas Barton Fink, I can, I would go back and watch and be like, okay, so what am I missing? So does, does John Goodman represent the devil in this? And it's the worst of, of Totoro? Well, that doesn't make sense. 
okay, but then there's the the visual of him coming down the hallway and maybe, the hell maybe, erupting maybe, around him. Maybe. maybe. I mean, because yeah. yeah, Blood Simple is great. Raising Arizona, good. Miller's Crossing is good. I'm not a Barton Fink. I I can even defend Hudsucker Proxy. I like Hudsucker Proxy. That, yeah, that one loses me. Fargo more than Lebowski. Oh, brother, Manda wasn't there. Good. I liked Intolerable Cruelty. Lady Killers was maybe the one that I didn't like until Hail Caesar. And inside Lou and Davis, I can objectively say that that is an interesting film. I personally don't go back and watch it. I really hate that fucking ending. And he's not a nice guy. Like, he's not someone I want to cheer for. Yeah, he's not likable. Not likable. So at some point you lose me in the film because I don't care what happens to him. Would you have unlikable protagonists, and I just, would still care what has to. Happen. Just yeah. as a heads up, you've been frozen since you oh started on this uh, the Coens. Once can you, you hear like me their though? filmography? I can hear you, but okay. now the audio is starting to sound a little strange there too. Oh, because it looks like I'm fine on my end. So okay, should I re re? Uh, am I still having issues? You're still frozen. You sound fine. Okay, <laughs> let me go back out and I'll come back in. Okay. Uh yeah, but within that that he just listed, there's only a couple in there. Inside Lewin Davis, Lady Killers, Hudsucker Proxy, uh, and a serious man I think is okay. Yeah, serious man is good. Uh, how am I now? Am I still frozen or am I? No, you're good. Okay, good. Yeah. All the others though, I'm a fan of. I just mm-hmm. what you listed, there's like there's only a few in there that I'm not the big Hudsucker, I think, is my least favorite of theirs. Wow. Your least favorite. Interesting. Least favorite. Okay. Is yeah. it Jennifer Jason Lee's put on 1940s? I, maybe accents? I need to see it again, but I just didn't care for a lot of it. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, probably my least favorite. I think he's the least interesting leading man they've had in any of their movies. Uh, Tim Robbins. Okay. Um, I think everyone else is fascinating in their films. I think he was a bit of a misstep in terms of a miscast. And look, he plays a, a you know kind of a dumb guy who stumbles onto the hula hoop. He plays that well. I just don't see the charm that they're able to get out of their other main protagonists in their other films. Okay. Uh, with Hudsucker. It's still watchable, but it's mostly for Paul Newman and Jennifer Jason Lee for me, um, than it is for Robbins. Yeah. I think that the Newman were the double stitching <laughs> is double my stitching. favorite scene in it. Is well, it just, yeah, he didn't want it. And then the tailor is like, he's a good man. I like him. He buys a lot of suits from me. I'm just going to go ahead and give him the better double stitching. Uh, that's all I liked in that, that movie. I don't. Fair enough. I don't. They don't have chemistry between the two of them. Her, yeah, her accent is disarming. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Uh, Tim Robbins, I don't even know if I fault him. I think the character, it doesn't work for me. Hmm. I don't know. I can but understand that. That's three or four movies and the, the most of the rest I think are classics for me so yeah. that's pretty good batting average oh hell yeah i think they're one of the most consistent directors um solo or together because i think the tragedy of macbeth was fantastic that jill cohen directed sure. so so either together or on their own they're incredible directors um okay so then my number two is the punt from earlier from you the grand Budapest hotel i love this um yeah go for it i love this movie matt it's, you know, we were just talking about the Coen brothers. I think Wes Anderson is in that group for me of like consistently good films. Every once in a while he has a miss, like the Darjeeling Limited, which I think was horrible, but more, way more often than not. Um, I find his films so interesting and engaging and, 
I understand the criticism, you know, mostly white films. I get it, but that, that holds no weight for me because he is such a unique filmmaker that is telling stories from his perspective and he never shot, rarely shies away from his perspective. And so whatever his world is, that's what you're seeing. And I think it really works. And I really thought it worked in Grand Budapest Hotel. And I did not anticipate that it was going to be this good. I thought it was, oh, here's a cute story. But there's so much more going on. And the characters are so interesting. And Ray finds such a fascinating character in this movie. He kills it. Yeah, right? Yeah. It, it was like a, a like a reminding people that this guy – is a damn good actor and is able to play these less stuffier roles, even though he is playing in essence kind of a, a rigid guy in certain ways. He's got a code, but he's, he's much more interesting and, and I've, flexible and, and lenient in certain areas that you're just like, wow, this guy is kind of cool. You know? I wish he would do comedy more. Mm. Cause like, uh, you know, we just talked about Hail Caesar. Yeah. He's one of my favorite parts of Hail Caesar, the director that gets. <laughs> thrust with this actor who cannot pull off I would that it were and he's like you can just tell he's frustrated and he knows this guy is not right but he has no choice because he's yeah. part of the yeah. Hollywood system he has to get him there yeah so he's like okay okay he is yeah but in Budapest I think him uh, Total Swinton yeah. and uh, you know the kid Zero uh, goes on to play the Flash yeah Tony Revolari yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and, and uh, yeah it's, 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 yeah. I was going to say, it's, it, Anderson is now working for me less and less. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I still, what I like of his, I like a lot, but I don't, there's, there's quite a few where I'm like, that was fine. Yeah. But, you know, it, that seems like it was eccentric for the sake of being eccentric. You didn't like Moonrise Kingdom? Nope. I didn't like oh. Moonrise Kingdom. Wow. Okay. I didn't dislike it. I just didn't like it. Right. Fair I don't right. think it's bad. I just thought it was like, eh, okay. Um, Would you say his last best movie was Fantastic Mr. Fox? Well, this came out after. Fantastic uh, Mr. Fox? No, no. Oh, yes, it did. Budapest. Budapest. Yeah. So would that be? Or did Probably, you like Isle, it, even, of, Isle of Dogs? Even Isle of Dogs, I thought was fine. Yeah. Uh Budapest, I still think, is like, I, I tune in for Rafe, kind of. Mm -hmm. And then Zero and Tilda. It's, I've already forgotten the gentleman's name. Yeah, Tony Rivalori. Yeah. There you go, Tony. Um, <laughs> but it's mainly Rafe. I think that to me is oh, the yeah. most transfixing character in that, and I wish he was more of him. That's fair. As opposed to the Zero character being kind of the through line. Yeah. I mean, I understand the choice uh, in Who the Fuck Am I? Uh, You're a critic. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm a guy that uh, goes to see movies. I don't, you know. I hate to break it to you, but we've reviewed films on the show. And we've been talking about films for almost seven, almost seven years. So I kind of think it qualifies you. No matter how anti-establishment you want to be. I'm not part of, I'm just saying, I'm not part of any critics association. I've never, so what? I've never gone to a junket. I've never gone to a screening. I just, I pay for the movies I go to see. Yeah. Most critics don't go to junkets. They send their lackeys to do the junket That's shit. That's fine. They still get to go to screenings and all that. That's true. That's true. You, I, I, you, if you wanted to, you could work the, you could shake the tree to go. Oh, I'm streets. sure I could. But yeah. I, I, I like going to see the movies that I want to see. That yeah. I would enough. totally do it, but then it's when you get sucked into, hey, I have to see. And right. then the list of I have to sees ends up being about half the slate of what you have to see over the course of a year. Yeah. No, thank you. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. That's where it's like, look, if it was all fucking, you know, bubble gum and cotton candy, man, I'm in. Who doesn't love that <laughs> shit? But it's not. <laughs> 
You know? Yeah, I've, as much I've, as you get in the unicorn, you also get the unicorn shit. Yeah, you do get, and the occasional kick. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, you're not wrong, man. I mean, I've become more selective, you know, and it may cost me views or whatever, but you know, I'm going, I'm okay. And so for me, I'm, I'm able to pick and choose a little bit more. Like I didn't go see that, um, the men movie, cause the Alex Garland one. Oh, cause yeah, the new. Yeah. Cause I, I read some reviews. I was like, Oh yeah, this isn't for me. There's no fucking way I'm going to enjoy this. Um, and I'm even less interested in the new Cronenberg film, even though I love Cronenberg. Um, in certain films, with certain films, I think he works less, uh, for me than he does, than he does work for me, you know, less often than he does work for me. And so, um, I, I was like, no, I'm not going to see this film. And three or four friends of mine have gone to see it who are respect, whose opinions I respect texted me and they're like, yeah, no. So, um, that I could, because you're right. Matt, Matt's absolutely right. Like, it becomes overwhelming how much you have to watch because you start to lose your individuality. You're like, I'm just a machine. I have to watch all this stuff all day, yeah. then review it in order to keep access or else they're going to take away access. So it just becomes overwhelming at times. So all these people are like, oh, it's so cool that you get to do what you're doing. Yes, it's fine. It's great. And I enjoy it for sure. But the other side of it is you're being made to watch stuff that you don't want to watch necessarily because – you have to do a review of it or you have to talk about it or you have to do whatever. So, you know, I, I, I'm becoming more and more selective because I don't, I don't feel the need to watch everything anymore, you know, because okay. of the overwhelming nature of it. So, you know, I would say, I would say you, you, Matt, I would, say, yeah, I, you know, regardless of being a critic or a screening or whatever, your ability to break down a movie, I think is, is undoubt, undoubtable. Like no one should be able to doubt that because we've done that. How many times, you know? True. Uh, but neither here nor there. Anyway. Okay. Fair enough. I know you want to keep your anti-establishment credit. I get it, dude. I get it. Mr. Cool guy. Over I think here. the color of my complexion makes me part of the establishment, regardless <laughs> of what box I'd like to put myself in. So that's fair. That's a good yeah. save. As much as I'd like to be like, I'm an outsider and be like, ma, really? Cause you probably have, you know, open door policy on some level. Um, <laughs> all right. So what's your one? Oh, do we both have the same one? I would, I would assume so. The right? shining, the shining. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead. The first one I thought of when we were like, Hey, let's do when Charles submitted this as an idea and was like, well, the Shining's making my list. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, that's an easy, uh, choice. Uh, it's the shining. Yeah. So what are you, what are you going to say? We talked about it. We've talked about it many, many it, times. Uh, go see My, room 237. Yes, I, definitely. Watched definitely. it again a couple months ago. Oh, so good, man. That, Still think it's good. Don't mention it because I'll pop it on right now and I shouldn't yeah. be watching. I heard it someone today. slagging off on and be like, all oh, these crackpot theories about a movie that's just okay. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to listen to anything else you say. <laughs> You're an idiot. Yeah. You're an idiot. Cause it's not a bunch of fucking YouTubers. These are like established people. Yeah. Even if I don't even remotely agree with what they're saying, they put so much thought into it that it's like, listen, I think this guy's or this gal is full of complete shit, but that's a compelling argument. Yes. I don't agree with, but it's still compelling. Yeah. Yeah. The ABC News International Bureau Chief, for fuck's sakes. I mean, come on. These are not stupid people that are coming up with these theories. And there's all kinds of little details that come up in it that I have – I, I've seen that movie countless times. Yeah. And I yeah. never noticed. Like the, the Jack Torrance is reading a Playgirl magazine in the lobby. 
I didn't know that until room 237. And I was like, oh, fuck, is he? And then they show the what you can barely see of it, and then they show you the cover. Then you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. But then, like, the layout that doesn't make sense, and this this window shouldn't exist, and the way they crop this shot and cut to this, and you're like, oh, my, wow. Dude, the Cape Canaveral shit blew my fucking mind. Oh, yeah. What? I always thought it was a weird pattern on the rug, but it never once occurred to me. That it might be an allusion to something. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. The lady starts trying to sell you on the Minotaurs. It's like, I don't know oh, yeah. any of this, but you're like, but there's uh, like that ski poster. Sure. Kind of looks like it could be. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The that's Native the American less stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The Native American stuff is really interesting. Yeah. I, I, that one is one yeah. where I'm like, I could, I could see it being a discussion about. Oh yeah. The oppression of the Native Americans and. The displacement yeah. of them and everything else. Okay. Sure. <laughs> yeah. It's got, a, it's got a lot to say and not, nothing at all simultaneously. Yeah. Which is what's brilliant about the film. Uh, and the performance, of course, Jack Nelson, Shelley Duvall, just incredible. I, I, I have yet to see the sequel. I've got to see the sequel, Dr. Sleep. I've yeah. Don't build it up too it. much, but I think it's a solid sequel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I've got to see it. It's a completely separate story mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that ultimately like, they get back to what some sense of familiarity, right? But really, it's more so dealing with characters that would exist with these abilities in the real world. Mm, okay. So it's kind of it's kind it's like eh, the Shining is one of a set of powers, so to speak. Right. 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 Um. Yeah. Do I think okay. it's awesome? No. But the fact that you're even remotely going to try and do this, and I think pull off something interesting yeah it's kind of uh, cool. yeah i've seen it twice i think it's worth it fair enough um okay let's put this list together i don't have the bongos since i'm here in a hotel room so uh i can bang on the table but we can put the list together in the meantime we'll do that and then charles will read out your list yes and we yes. uh we'll call it a day at that so the shining yeah. yes um i would so Budapest is your two? Yes, it is my two. That's my six. And Oceans is your what? Oceans is my three. All right. So we go Grand Budapest, Oceans. Um, we don't have anything until what? Hotel Rwanda and Lobster later on. Is that later? Okay. Did you want to put some like it hot on the list or no? Are you going to keep it off your list? Yeah, I'll knock off identity. Okay. And if some like it hot makes it, I'll put that in the seven. Okay. All right. So where did you have some like it hot? I had it at four. All right. So why don't we do, I'll do my number two at Barton Fink. Uh, where, where is that number four? Yeah. Okay. And then, um, I'd say some like it hot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then 1408, cause that's my three. Okay. Give your one through four, correct? Uh, yeah, some like it hot, Ocean's Eleven, Grand Budapest, and Shining, yes. Okay. Um, oh shit, we both have Psycho. Oh, right. Yeah, it's my seven. All right, so we'll do Psycho there. Okay. Four. Probably should go higher, but screw it. Who cares? And we have Lobster, Hotel Rwanda, and then uh, I guess it would just be next highest at that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
You had, uh, so I'd so, say the lobster next. Yeah, where are we at with the list right now? This is eight and nine, so we have one left. Wow. Okay. Uh, a little more commonality than I thought. All right. Um, yeah, so my next one is my number five, which is One Night in Miami. All right. If One Night in Miami makes it. Nice. Okay. Uh, here we go. The top ten movies set in a hotel. Yeah. At number ten. Sounds good. One Night in Miami. At number nine. Hotel Rwanda. At number eight. The Lobster. At number seven. Psycho. At number six. 1408. At number five. Some Like It Hot. At number four. Barton Fink. At number three. Ocean's Eleven. At number two. The Grand Budapest Hotel. And our number one movie set in a hotel is... Is The Shining. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. That's right. Um, all right, there you go. That's our top ten movies set in a hotel. Uh, what does Charles have here? Uh, Charles Matt? has, he says, hello, Matt and John. Is there any better feeling than laying on a nice soft hotel bed after a long day of traveling? Oh, is there awesome. anything worse than getting to your room and smelling or seeing something off-putting in that room? Hotels have been a great and interesting setting for movies. Here is my list. At 10, he's got The Lobster. Okay. Nine, Bad Times at the El Royale. Oh, some people like that movie. Eight is Some Like It Hot. Okay. Seven is Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Oh, that almost made my... That was so close, bro. So close. Um, six is 1408. Okay. Five is The Grand Budapest Hotel. Four is Lost in Translation. Mm-hmm. Three is Hotel Rwanda. Nice. Two is The Shining, and his number one Ooh. movie set in a hotel yes. is Psycho. Ah, okay. All right. I wasn't sure it was going to make his list. Makes sense, but great topic, Charles. This is a yeah. lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, as soon as Matt read it, uh, I think we both knew immediately that was the one for us to do. Yeah. Such We're like, there it is. Choice. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. We had a, a few other, uh, strong competing choices. For sure. But I think that was our number one of everything that the, the boss hog sent in. Yeah. So. Thank you, Charles. This is a great one. It leads to a wide array of movies and a very discussion. So thank you, Absolutely. sir. Thank you, and Charles. if you'd like to support us and, and submit a topic, head over to patreon.com forward slash the top 10 with the number 10 and hit us up over there. You can follow the show at top 10 show all spelled out on Twitter and on Instagram and YouTube. It is forward slash the top 10 podcast with the number 10. So please hit us up. You can follow me anywhere at Matt knows. Check out settle the score. Or uh, if you want some NBA action, dropping dimes. But you can find those anywhere you get podcasts. There you go. And you can follow me at The Roca Says on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The Outlaw Nation on Twitch. And you can head over to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash John Roca for uh, John Roca Says for all the stuff going on there, including some Star Wars celebration coverage. Um, and my other podcast, the uh, Top no, – sorry, the Cinephiles and the Geek Buddies. So thank you all so much. Y'all take care of yourselves. Be well. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand-new episode of the Top Ten. Peace. Ooh.